welcome Welcome. to X-rated movies. I don't know what Ryan was doing over there. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys that used to date, and now we don't. Now we talk about movies, movies, movies. And what else do we do besides talk about movies? Sit at home and watch movies. <laughs> it's true. I've been watching more TV as of late than okay. movies, just Those because just like long movies. What was Scarecrow closed? Like, uh, like my my movie fix. Like I. When I'm scrolling through what's available, I'm like, mm, this is pathetic. You can get Scarecrow movies delivered to your door. I know, but I like to go in and peruse. Oh, I see, I see. Like, I like to look around and be excited about something and, and pick that at random. You know, like, look at this, you know, Region 2 Spanish movie I'm renting. You like the cheers treatment when you walk in and all the employees are like, Matt! Matt! <laughs> to think that i'm the norm of the scarecrows crowd yes sure. yeah yeah yeah. we'll have to ask them about that and see what i'm they sure say. i'm not like there <laughs> are i guarantee you more devotees to scarecrow than me i think there should be like a, a survivor style <laughs> reality show of of uh oh, people's I, favorite I, I, I would be like customers. cut out in like round like three or four like i i would definitely make it past like the first cut but like not too terribly far. And then in the episode that, that, that you're going home, you would, you would utter the phrase, I didn't come here to make friends. Well, that's what I'd utter on the first episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my old job had a reality show shot there when I was uh, uh, at the record store. And <laughs> I definitely uttered, I didn't come here to make friends. <laughs> like pretty much every 90 seconds because I wanted them to capture it on camera. Not once did it make the sizzle reel. God damn it. I know. Total waste of time. Rude. That was my line when I went to Hump in the year that I was uh, in the festival. That you didn't come to make yeah, friends? Yeah, I didn't come here to make friends. Come here to win! <laughs> well, Matt, this is a perfect segue into my opening banter I had planned. Okay, go for it. I've been watching uh, all the Disney animated classics. I'm going my, I'm working my way through them. I'm, I'm jumping around. I'm not going through methodically or anything. There's no rhyme or reason to no. this. I really am mostly just doing the ones I haven't watched, and then the ones that I can get my partner to watch with me. So we recently watched the first one, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And a lot of butt jokes in that one, isn't there? A lot of butts. Yeah, a lot of butts. Mm-hmm. I was struck though while watching it. By the fact that all but one of the dwarves are named after one of their character traits. <laughs> Wait, who's not named after a character trait? Well, I guess Doc could be a doctor. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. You're right. You're right. Could be. Could be. I was just curious if you had a personality trait that was going to be your name moving forward. Say, say, say I'm a, a fairy godmother witch and seeing I move my wand and I zap you and are suddenly you, you're a dwarf. Are you already anticipating me saying horny? <laughs> like, I feel like you've already expected this. Like, in the, the 20th century dwarves, it's going to be like horny, sleazy, gambler, and rent shyster. <laughs> I'm really excited for that part in the movie where Snow White's like, let me guess your names. Who's who? And she's like, you, you're horny. (laughs) No, I wouldn't be horny because there's definitely, you know, 
I've said this before on the podcast. I know some queens. <laughs> like this is the thing you get to you get one character trait to be your name. Yeah, like, that's what hard. am I going to be bookie? Like <laughs> that's not any fun. Although, like I could arguably like keep book like like a bookie is oh, someone who sure. like maintains and keeps tracks of yeah. bets. I'm actually very good at that. And if they'd call you numbers. <laughs> If, like, a mob person asked me to do that, I think I'd actually be very good because, A, I'm very honest. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone called my character into question, like, they'd all be like, no, 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 no. Numbers isn't going to do that. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Oh, God. See, that, that'd be my catchphrase. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> hey. Hey. Mostly because at my current job, I do my damnedest to be impartial. Just to, like not actually give my personal viewpoint on things Mm -hmm. and to say things like they are spell it out how it is and then to like at the the tail end being like but my gut instinct says xyz like i'm already adopting a new jersey accent just while talking (laughs) about this i can see you as a dwarf you would have the the visor and then the like clear green visor With, like, a lamplight over me and cigar smoke, even though I'm not smoking yeah. a cigar. That's how she would guess that you were numbers. Yeah, I'm num- uh, that's numbers over there. Well, clearly. Yeah, he does the books on all the, it, well, the jewels he coming does the in books. and out. <laughs> I don't know why the rest of the dwarves are also New Jersey, but hey. <laughs> Could happen. Could happen. You want to talk to numbers? He's over there. Which one? Which one do you think? <laughs> the one with the visor and the pencil behind his ear. <laughs> In my scenario, Snow White still also has a smoky New Jersey accent. <laughs> Why I oughta. <laughs> what do you think your dwarf would be? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I mean, here's the, here's the most obvious choices. We've got handsome. We've got intelligent. Oh, we've got, <laughs> we've got rakish. Um, wow humble let's not forget that one <laughs> alright sexy which one are you <laughs> I don't want uh, Snow White looking at me like you're sexy <laughs> uh, I would probably be rakish I like that I've, I've always liked that uh, as a term to describe myself uh, so. uh, oh there's a hot guy up there oh he went inside stop cut that. that cut that out cut that out <laughs> You did that last time. I can't help it if the sun's sun's out, guns out. And if your guns are your buns, then what are you going to do? Oh, you saw buns? Well, I mean, he was wearing swim trunks, but like the the lines. Well, maybe I could be bunsy. Ryan, I love you. You know that, right? I don't have cake. I don't anymore. No cakes. You're thick with like one C, maybe even a half C. Ooh. That's not even thick anymore. <laughs> That's like thick, comma. I mean, you're just, you're too skinny. Like, no, there are plenty of men out there that like their skinny boys. <sighs> but I want a big, juicy bubble butt. Well, you might have missed out on that train. It's too late. <sighs> How do I get this cake to be a to be a sheet cake? I need like well, I want this to feed a lot of people. Oof. Well. Yeah. No, I think you're out of luck on that one. That's never like, going to happen. Rest assured, like, I'm thick and, and I always want to be Ryan Whedon skinny. It's like the queen in Snow White. She wants what she can't have. Yeah. I would gladly have, like, no body mass. 
and just be seen as like too skinny for some people. If I was ever told that I was too skinny for someone, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's fine. Everyone has their type. But like, if I'm told like, oh, I like a thinner guy, like I would just disappear into the air, <laughs> like just blow away like ash. And so, yeah, like I would trade places with you. Well, then maybe my dwarf name should be No Cakes. <laughs> Skeezy, horny, and no cakes. <laughs> the songs in that are not super memorable, and there's a lot of songs in that movie. Yeah, there's a lot of singing. I don't know if there's a lot of songs. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, that's a good distinction there. <laughs> anyway, you know what's a movie that has a lot of good songs in it? Today's movie, Matt, it happens to be a musical. Which one? Just got chills because I'm about to say this. We're doing Little Shop of Horrors. 1986. Frank Oz, Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, John Candy. The list goes on and on. <laughs> so I would just like to say, you know, we've been doing this podcast a while now. <laughs> we have yet to do a single Steven Spielberg movie, but this is our third Frank Oz movie. <laughs> Wait, what was the second one? We did Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah. And Muppets Take Manhattan. Sure, you're right. <laughs> Fine. And so, yeah, like, if you need any descriptive of our podcast it's that we've done multiple frank oz movies but not a single steven spielberg movie like steven spielberg is a great director i'm not bad mouthing him or saying that he's too mainstream or that he's like any beneath us in any way yeah exactly i might pick him later who knows yeah it's it's a crapshoot but if you need a descriptive (laughs) for us we have now officially done three Frank Oz movies and no Steven Spielberg movies. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. That plant looks fucking awesome. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Also, I hope you don't mind me randomly breaking out into song in ah. this episode. Suddenly Seymour <laughs> is standing beside me. I don't know where to start. There's so many things about this movie that I love. 80s musical. We've got puppets. We've got um, social commentary. We've got... Uh... By the way, the songs are very good. They're by uh, the none other than Howard Ashman and Alan Menken of Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin fame. Uh, we've got Frank Oz directing. We've got a huge, amazing animatronic puppet plant. We've, we've got, got a star-studded cast. Star-studded cast. We've got a multiple endings. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. It's everything I want in a movie. So before we get too far into this, I just want to say, like, I realized while watching this that I haven't picked a fun movie in a while. And really, I don't think either of us have. Yeah, I don't think so either. I've been uh, so serious lately. I think the last movie that I picked that was fun to watch was After Hours. Oh, my. Which was a season and a half ago. And... If we like, like, put it into measurable terms, that movie came out in November. 
Like that was half a year ago. <sighs> Watching this, I was like, you know what we need right now? Escapist mm. stuff. And this is that movie. Like this is escapist fun. Like my grin was so large when that first when the first like beats of da 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 da, da started going like the piano is playing like I'm crying thinking about it now like it just feels so good. Yeah. I've seen this movie like 5 or 6 times now. Not a ton, but like I love it. Every time I see it, I'm well, I feel like that's too small. Like that's too low of a number. I know. I bought it after this cuz I'm like, I love this movie. What am I fucking Why well, I feel about? like I watched it a lot on television as a kid. Like well, maybe not start to finish, but That was in... the first time I saw it. It was on like it was like an ABC broadcast with commercials and everything and I mm-hmm. remember being like, I love this. Yeah. That I mean, and been a fan ever like since. Like USA Today or whatever. Sure. Like, that's how I first watched it. Yeah. And you know what? It's We'll get to it. Let's put a pin in it, I guess, because I don't want to jump to this now. But the ending, like, it's two different movies. Oh. Oh, I mean, radically different movies. If you watch the the one that, like, is still the, like, official cut where they get the happy house at the end, I hate it a little bit. I mean, like, it really does a lot of work against the movie to that point. Let, let's just wait till we get there. Okay, 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 okay. okay. But as a kid, I loved that. I still even loved it with the shitty ending. Like, I'm still like, there's so much good here. I don't care. The songs are so good. The story's so fun. You have a million fucking cameos. Like, it's just magic. What's your favorite song? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, suddenly Seymour's way up there. Oh, it, it, it's a real good one. It's w- so w- good. Like, all right, when we get to that point I, in the plot, I'll, I, I'll talk about suddenly Seymour. I really but... appreciated Big Bag Mother from Outer Space this time around. Okay. But I'm also really a big fan of Skid Row, even though it's got like all those musical cliches of like people grabbing each other and singing into each other's faces. So I, I think that Skid Row is probably the best song Okay. Okay. in the, the whole musical. Not just because, A, I think the way that it's directed, it's like a Muppet movie. When you watch this movie against other Frank Oz-directed movies, you're like, he kind of just directed Muppets. <laughs> and like just like the way that like, the hobo like rolls over and is like, on Skid Row. Yeah. It could have been Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of a Muppet movie. <laughs> No, like when, they, gra- when like, they grabbed each other's hands and were like singing loudly into yeah. each other's faces, I was like... Maybe I am a musical theater fag. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Like, I, I feel like Skid Row is the best song in the whole thing. Uh, because it, it shows off, like, uh, Mencken's, like, talents. And, like, it actually has, like, a rhyme scheme. But if I had to choose which song I liked best, like, in the context of the film itself... It would have to be like I'm a dentist. Of course. Oh shit! I didn't even which say which I think is probably the funniest of the songs. When Steve Martin's like gyrating and like punches that aid, <laughs> I laughed so hard that I like rewound it and I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> like was it was it just that it took me by surprise or is it actually funny?" And I watched it again and he punches her. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's so." funny like his timing on that is so (laughs) 
perfect. I love it when he rips off the doll's head. Oh, which is like in the same cut. Like that's the (laughs) same cut. And yeah, he rips it off and like kind of like shrugs his shoulders back. I read that that was improvised. Like he wasn't going to do it. Oh, really? That little girl's reaction of surprise is actually probably real. Like his song, I think, is the funniest. Uh, And they do a great job of making that song a thing in the movie because you sent me that... uh, gif earlier of the like oh, the mouth? shot inside the mouth that's like five seconds of the movie maybe ten but they had to make a whole thing i know of the inside of someone's mouth like a whole puppety i don't know operated from outside where the camera was and the fact that like steve martin has to like put the drill in the mouth yeah. means that he's actually like holding some sort of prop of a huge drill it must be huge yeah yeah and you can kind of see like when you look at his hands it, it looks like it's kind of struggling to hold something really weighty oh. but like you have to look for it to see that it's there so this is a musical movie uh-huh. based on a musical based on a movie right Probably the first that at least I know of. Uh, like, yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, you and I have. We've got your Legally Blondes. You've got your hairsprays these days that were based you've on movies. You've got your Mean Girls. Like, yeah, there's a billion now. It, th- there's a lot of musicals based on movies, you know, that are, are, are you know, are around that. But. The original Little Shop of Horrors is based on a movie by Roger Corman that he did not think would be profitable enough, so he didn't even bother to copyright it, which is why I think that Mencken and co. were like, oh, here's this public domain movie that we can make a musical out of. And they did. And uh, where, where was I going? What was my point with all this? I don't know. Well, you, you pick it up for the time being. I'll circle back to it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Howard Ashman, Alan Menken, great team, great team. I mean, if the Little Mermaid episode is any indication, they just do good work together. I mean, they've been doing good work together since then. Yeah, until Howard Ashman died. When did he die? Like, 91? What? Are you serious? Yeah, he died before Beauty and the Beast came out. Oh, fuck, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Of what? AIDS. (gasps) I know. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, true. He was a gay then. A gay. And a handsome one. Oh. I know. I know. Have you ever seen the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty? No. It deals with the Disney animation wing from basically Black Cauldron to The Lion King. Okay. And so, you know, it deals heavily with Howard Ashman, Alan and King. And I was going to say that's an interesting period to magnify on. But like Roy Disney, who's uh, Walt Disney's nephew, who was president of the company for a while and then chairman blah 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 head of animation he said he was an amazing influence on everybody i don't want to compare him to walt but on the other hand he had that kind of influence on everybody it's so true like they almost cut part of your world because they were like they did a test screening of it yeah and and audiences were like this sucks and he's like no if we don't have a song where our main heroine is singing about what she wants, this nothing is going to work. I mean, and Audrey has that song in this movie. Well, I was going to say in Little Mermaid, like I sort of agree with that. That like if I was a producer, I'd be like, this song's too slow and boring. It would like honestly take someone to push back against me 
who already likes that song to say like no we need to keep that song in it's very important it's just my like lizard producer brain working like because i i look at that song and be like oh we can cut this no problem but when i watch the movie now i'm like oh no this song is so important to the fabric of the film yeah and i mean that's what happens i mean put a pin in like suits making decisions on movies and shitty audiences but like uh in this movie like you have the i wish song from audrey where she sings about something someplace that's green oh yeah but i was watching it this time i was almost like i think skid row is more the wish i wish song than someplace that's green because it really is like it's both her and seymour saying i just want to get out of skid row like i just want to get out of poverty somebody say i'll get out of here Someone give me my shot or I'll rot here. Which, okay, Matt, I may as well just like pull the sheet no, no, off no. the box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take your dentures mm-hmm. off there, lady. I'll put this over here. So on this watch, I got a lot of anti-capitalist vibes. And Oh, uh, no, th- there are a lot in this movie. Yeah. Okay, so you saw them too. Oh, definitely. Well, it was like, after the uh, uh, what's the boss's name? Uh, Mishki? M- Mishkin. Mishkin. Mishki? Mushkin. All I know is that the actor's last name was Gardenia, which was like oh, uh, flowers. Chef's yeah. kiss. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I was like, oh my god! Clearly, he was cast because of the last name. Mushkin. M- Mushkin. Oh, fuck. We're, this well, is I mean, it it is anti-capitalist, except that they all have these like fantasies of like middle-class capitalists you know well but that's i think it like shows the problems with the american dream (sighs) (sighs) no but yes continue (laughs) anybody any stupid person would know that green is associated with money the plant itself is green like the green party you know audrey two is green audrey one wants to go someplace that is green they uh when um mm. when uh, uh, uh Audrey 2 is talking about like I can give you anything you want to Seymour what's the first thing he says a motorcycle which means that oh he wants a material thing like there is like a materialism to this movie and there's also like several lines from Seymour where he's like I just keep feeding it and feeding it but it just wants more suddenly Seymour what <laughs> The machine, Matt. The machine of capitalism. Well, you know, what I was thinking while watching this was that a little-known gay movie that you may or may not know called Socket does follow the kind of same moral trajectory as this movie. Mm. Where in Socket, the first person that uh, gets fed into this desire is... is, a bad person. A, a bad person, yeah. So, like a hijacker, like someone trying to... to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, do drugs and beat his girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> and as Socket goes on, the people that he sacrifices are less and less worthy of this desire. Yeah, and closer and closer to him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's like in Little Shop of Horrors, the first is Steve Martin. He kind of steals the show. Like, uh, if the plant wasn't so awesome, I would say this is Steve Martin's movie. But I think it's the plant's movie. So let's start with Steve Martin and then talk about the plant. Because okay. when Steve Martin, the whole song, the way that it plays out, I'm like, 
this is so funny. And Steve Martin is so fucking good. The way that, like, he walks into his office and twists the doll's head off. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you can't teach this type of humor. This is only funny when someone does it IRL. Yeah. The song itself isn't necessarily funny. Like, there's moments where it could be funny. Like, like it's a a fine song. But if the person singing it isn't selling it, there's nothing. Yeah, and Steve Martin, man, he fucking sells that song. (laughs) I know. I always loved when... um, he stabs the person in the mouth, and they're like, wait, I'm not numb. Yeah. And he comes in anyway. Get ready. Here I come. Yeah. Like, I think for people of, of, of now, it's hard to remember that Steve Martin used to be really fucking funny. I mean, I think he's he still is sort of like in certain circles, but yeah. He just, this group, like, I mean, honestly, like, it's all kind of this 80s group because you got him, you got John Candy, you've got Bill Murray. Oh, you are something special. You are something special. Come on, come on, come on. Mm, uh, uh. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, Steve Martin was in the original Muppet movie, even. Right? Oh, waiter. Yes. May I help you? He's a super funny actor. It's like, one of those things that like he should have been nominated for best supporting actor because like <laughs> this is what a supporting actor does. They come in, they steal the scene for you know, 5 minutes of the movie uh-huh. and then they're gone. Yeah. And it's like yeah, when Steve Martin's on screen, you're just like I love the dentist. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, and but like you don't love the dentist in like, oh, I don't want to see harm come to him. It's like, no, I love the dentist, and I think every bit of harm coming to him is deserved. I know. I love when <laughs> I forgot about this part, but like uh, when uh, we first see him, like kind of talking, and he's with Audrey and Seymour. Somebody talking to you? Oh no! Excuse me. Excuse me. What? Excuse me. That's better. That's all we need to know. We already know. Like, he's introduced off screen because the first time we see Audrey, she has a black eye. And she's like, I love him. Oh, this is another capitalist message, by the way. Because the first thing she says is like, he makes good money. So it's like, oh, so she's worried about money. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not that she's necessarily worried about money. It's that women are conditioned to gravitate towards men who are good earners. Mm Mm-hmm. As if women can't be good earners of their own. Yeah. Audrey's got a job, guys. Also, the the actress who, despite her hard wig... Something green. <laughs> Helen Green? We should say her by name. Ellen Green. She does... So I watched this movie twice. The first time I watched it, I watched it intently. I was like, I'm sitting down, I'm watching this movie... And the second time I was like, I'll just put it on while I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. But like the second time I was really sucked in, like more than the first time. The first time I was like, oh, you know, this is a cute movie. I'll be able to talk with Ryan about it. He loves his 80s musicals. (laughs) But the second time I watched, I was like, oh shit, no, this is a great movie. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like emotionally invested in it the second time. And especially like the Audrey stuff, she does that thing where she like she talks with with her tongue, where she's like, "Oh, Femur! Oh my goodness, Femur!" <laughs> but 
When she actually has to sing? Like, she's got pipes. Crazy pipes. I know. Ellen Green. And it, it, it's not like one of those things where it's like, suddenly female. She's, the back row is like, their hair is moving. <laughs> but she does something that I don't think a lot of musical singers do where she talks with her tongue <laughs> for the early scenes. But then when she has to sing, suddenly she's got pipes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, she makes that transition really convincingly, I want to say. When she actually has to sing, like, you're like, oh, she, she's got, like, lungs yeah. to her. But it doesn't seem out of character. Like, when she goes to suddenly see more, you would think that Audrey would be like, suddenly see more. <laughs> But no, she's like, suddenly seen It's like more. she's being held down by society. And when she actually is okay, expressing so what she really the, wants, that's she not, can sing so loud and so beautifully. Yeah, that's not that's not the, the what I took out of it. But it's definitely that she was required to hold herself back a little bit. And then when the time came... but. All right, the point I'm trying to make here is that, like, it's not like her little lithby voice is suddenly incongruous with the deep lungs that she has. Uh-huh. It might be just being drunk and all this. <laughs> I know, but it's a lot of fun. Yes, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but no, no I'm with you. out there, I'm still cold and stoic and and... Pedantic. I'm still the cold pedantic person that you know and appreciate for being cold and pedantic. This movie has just melted your cold pedantic heart. Yeah, no, this movie's just melted my cold pedantic heart, and I'm suddenly belting suddenly Seymour standing beside me. That's the last time, I swear to God. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, this, this suddenly Seymour. This movie made you purified me. This movie made you feel things. I can tell. It hasn't. I'm cold <laughs> and just stoic as ever, right? It's nice to see you feel something again, Matt. <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the <laughs> emotions I'm feeling. Okay, if Steve this. Martin isn't the isn't the star scene stealer, the he, plant not, is, right? He 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 is. So, are we still on Steve Martin? No, I'm going back to a point that we brought up earlier because we said, okay, we'll talk about Steve Martin, and then we got off on Ellen Green. But now I want to bring it back to the plant. Feed me, Cobble, feed me now. Because the plant. How much did Rick Moranis pay for that plant? Oh, I dollar, have an answer. A dollar seventy-five. Dollar ninety-five. Oh, that's close. Okay. Which in today's money is sixteen dollars and eighty-three cents. Sixteen dollars and eighty-three. So he, he uh, that's not bad. He played. He paid a good amount for that plant. What are the other plants at that place? You think? So when Christopher Guest walks in and is like, <gasps> "I want fifty dollars worth of roses, please." I love that. <laughs> Excuse me. I couldn't help noticing that strange and interesting plant. 
What is it? That's four hundred and thirty-one dollars and sixty-three cents worth of roses into Mushkin's pocket right there. Yeah, so double that, and it's uh, eight hundred and sixty-two dollars and uh, 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 eight twenty-six numbers over here. He never lies. <laughs> never lies. Can we talk about how good the plant is? They did special stuff where they slowed down the film speed. Which you can only see, like, because I looked for it. I know. You mentioned this earlier where you said, like, you can tell, like, sometimes Rick Moranis is off scene, but, like, I couldn't. It, like, you you have to look for it. There's just a couple of scenes where Rick Moranis is singing in sync with Audrey too. And that's the only time that it's ever noticeable. But it's like, it's incredible because they slow it down and then they sped it up for the film. But like the scenes with Audrey 2 and Rick Moranis, it's not a comp. He's actually moving and singing slower. And his movement, like I could never tell. No, it's it, awesome. it was only when he was singing and when I was looking at his mouth where I was like, oh, that looks a little fake. But like... In the grand scheme of things, like, if I'm not looking for his movement being fake, like, I'm not going to look for his mouth being fake. But does Audrey 2 ever look off? No. I think no. No, I don't, I don't think Audrey 2 ever looks off. I think, yeah, like, that is the incredible thing to me is, like, this puppet plant, they had to slow it down because they couldn't move the, like, foam rubber fast enough to be at, like, the tempo that the songs were. But so they just slowed the, the film speed down and then like sped it up later. And it's like, it looks awesome. Yeah. Even knowing where they slowed it down and when, it's still just like, oh, that looks great. We talked about this with Muppets Take Manhattan, where if you know where someone's waistline is, like you can kind of like, you know, fix the rest. And I kind of feel like with this movie... Frank Oz knew, like, where the speed-up point was, and so he knew not to show that too much. Right, it's not quite half-speed. It's actually, because one was 12 frames per second, and then when you sped it up, it was, or no, it was, like, 12 to 16 frames per second, yeah, and then they sped up to yeah. 24, which is, like, almost twice as fast, but not quite. So it is, like, enough... That it, it, I don't know, maybe it's like it, manageable. You know, if you're looking at Rick Moranis's mouth, you can find it, but like if you're not looking at that, then you won't notice it. Body movements, I couldn't, I was looking for this. No, time. no, 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 body movements are really seamless. Like the way that they incorporate those, like, oh, fuck, like I need you'll stress. never find where the strings are. I want to stress there are no comps, no green screen. This is all practical effects, and so. Act the uh, theater here in Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah. They did a production of this, and part of me is like, "How?" I mean, the plant stuff. Uh, how fun would it be to watch this in a theater? Well, I, I have to think. Like, I have no proof of this, but I have to think that the movie version did a better job of puppeteering, but the play probably did a better job of just seeming in IRL. I, I, I want to say, like, if you were to go see a play of Little Shop of Horrors, like, when Audrey 2, like, faints to the ground, like, the physicality of that probably leaves an impression of you. Sure. Where 
the movie when it's fainting maybe not so much but because it's a movie you're kind of expecting more i will say good sound design on each of those because each drop was a little louder and better i'm a little conflicted in this because part of me is like oh well the movie's obviously better than the play could have been because of just the the nature of the movie and being able oh uh, well all right let me ask you when I was watching this movie and the suddenly Seymour song came on uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, they kissed, in my mind, I was like, and intermission. But then it went into the where the boss kind of knows yeah. what's going well, I on. I thought that suddenly Seymour was like the first song of act three. See, I definitely thought that that Seymour song was the end of act two. Well, and this is actually a big question I had. I'm shaking my phone. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, it's like, you know. But, but I answered my own question, which was I think that that's actually the beginning of Act 3. But that's just me. So you do? Yeah. So I think Act 2 ends when Mushnik finds him cutting up a body. See, I think I think this is a two-act play because I think the curtains are drawn after... Seymour feeds Mushnik to the plant. Okay. I like to divide things into three acts, even if they're five acts or four acts or whatever. I think it's so easily divisible into three acts, but go ahead. Suddenly Seymour is where I was like, and curtain. But then there's only like 20 minutes after that. But when they're like, feed him, feed him, supper time. I was like, no, there's no intermission here. This is pre-intermission. I think when Seymour feeds his boss to Audrey too, that's all pre-intermission. See, I think that's just like, like if act two ends when he's actually chopping up a body, because that, that that's, to me is like the sign of like, oh, Seymour's now crossed over. Then like all the stuff after that where he's like feeding Mushnik to the plant, that's all like in character for him for Act 3. Like that's his descent. Part of me agrees with you, like in a, a screenwriting sense, but in a playwright sense, I think that it goes through suddenly Seymour into him feeding the plant his boss. Because can you imagine starting Act 3 with the Mushnik stuff? Definitely. Do you? I feel like that solid closer end too. And then you start either the last act or the second act, however you want to say it, with Seymour being famous. The point is that Seymour has crossed over yeah. once he starts chopping up bodies and feeding him to the plant. Uh-huh. So that's a break point. Not feeding him friends. Once he's chopped up body parts, that's the break point. And it's also a good time to break it because that's when like Mushnik knows. So while you're in that like act two, act three middle zone, that's when you're talking about like his character. See, and... see, this is where I disagree. Like on principle, like I like the idea of him divorcing himself from Mushnik, but like when I listen to the songs, like the suddenly Seymour, like when that ends and like they, they kiss in the sunset and blah, blah, blah. Like in my mind, I'm like curtain drops intermission. I mean, I thought about that too. Hey, you know what I want to talk about now? 
What? John Candy. Oh my god. And now Wink Wilkinson's Weird World with your host, Wink Wilkinson. Everybody, it's weird. Wink Wilkinson laughing and scratching at you. How's everybody doing today? I got a little bit of a stiff neck. Let me just fix this up. Ooh, that feels a lot better. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. Did you see the people that were waiting in the in the waiting room with him? The other like people that were going to be on the weird show? Yeah. I love the nun puppet, life-size <laughs> nun uh, ventriloquist dummy. And then that old woman who has like just a box that's chained together. And then some old man with... I'm guessing some sort of flight recorder. I don't know. He had, what was his deal? It's like the waiting room in uh, uh, the Beetlejuice. world. Oh. <laughs> in Beetlejuice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I was like, I got to take notes on all these people. Honestly, I just love John Candy in that moment. <laughs> oh, he's weird. 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 Winkleson. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't come in here. I know your husband's here, but... Uh, 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 <laughs> It's really stupid, but I love it. Yeah, no, I was here for it. Listen, this movie is an anti-capitalist manifesto that Matt loves. Or it's so- a pro-capitalist <laughs> manifesto that Ryan loves. How is this pro-capitalist? Well, I mean, you like this movie a lot, don't you? I love this movie. And the moral of the story is lean into what people want. Even if it's a alien plant that's going to destroy us as as a human species well I, I guess this is where it comes down to the director's cut ending versus the theatrical finally cut here we are oh we've arrived ryan of course is a big fan of the theatrical cut ending and wanting no, no other version available Ugh, watching it this time, I was like, this ending sucks. I so, hate the theatrical cut. It I, sucks. I don't remember the theatrical cut well enough. Please explain it to me. So what happens is Audrey Chu says, fuck you, Seymour. I'm here to take over. And then he magically grabs a live wire, electrical wire, and like electrocutes her. Oh, shit. Everything's fine. And then he and Audrey marry. They get their house, their beautiful home and garden house. Their place in the green. Yeah. And then it like pans down and there's like an Audrey 2 in their garden. So it still is a the end question mark. Okay. But the director's cut ends with Seymour and Audrey 1 getting eaten. And the plants take over. And the plants are probably going to win in this one. I mean, is there a doubt that the plants are going to win in the director's cut version? It is a, a so much more fun ending. Oh, my so God. So much more fun. I, I mean, A, it's thematically in line that, like, the whole sure. musical is sort of a 50s throwback. And then you have this ending that's, like, you know, the quarter mass experiments thing where, like, we solve everything by blowing shit up, but not really... Because it's actually Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where, like, they're coming for you. They'll be your neighbors. Well, but, like, the thing is, like, oh, it's supposed to be a the end question mark, but if Seymour is any kind of gardener, he's going to see an Audrey 2 in his... But Seymour's dead! I thought it was going to be, like, a, 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 
shredder at the end of Secret of the Ooze, where like he shakes everything and then like crumbles on down on him. Yeah, and I, I thought it was gonna be like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, where like he crushes himself in the process, but it's actually not. He actually crushes the hero, and the villain lives at the end. Right, in the, in the director's cut. In the director's cut, yes. And it's this amazing sequence of the plants taking over. Like, they're taking over New York. They're taking over the Statue of Liberty. They're, like, taking over various different things. And I think that this, like, lends credence to my idea that, like, this is an anti-capitalist movie because, like, after that happens... The, like, pull down and, like, the plant starts to take over. It shows our chorus girls, who we haven't mentioned yet, but they're great. But they come out and they're standing in front of an American flag. Subsequent to the events you have just witnessed. Similar events in cities across America. Events which bore striking resemblance. So the ones you have just seen begin a career. And it's just like this idea of like unfettered capitalism will bring us to our death. La, la. And then they sing that song that goes like that. It's like unfettered capitalism will bring us to our death and we'll never get away with anything we want to do. The populace needs help and it shouldn't be designed by the market. You remember that song? That's a really catchy tune you're singing. <laughs> I mean, I don't quite remember it that way, but I definitely... Well, because the musical itself is sort of a 50s throwback with, like, doo-wop and soul of that era. So the idea of it ending on, like, a 50s monster movie thing, a la, like, Quarter Mass Experiment or uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, seems right in tone with what the rest of the musical is trying to do. Ryan seems to think that it's an anti-capitalist thing. I just happen to think that it's not. Well, that's because he loves capitalism so much. I don't love it. capitalism. I just know where to call it out. Where Some it's of Matt's best friends out. are corporations. So, okay. For the sake of harmony, for the sake of uniting us, which song do you want to, to sing in unison tonight? I mean, let's do Suddenly Seymour. I know you've already done it a billion times, but like... Okay. Just the, just the chorus, just the, the... Okay, here, I'll lead you into it. Okay. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be Audrey. Okay. All right, I'll do the first one, whoever that is. And I'll pass my phone to you. Lift up your head. Wash off your mascara. Here, take my Kleenex. Wipe that lipstick away. Show me your face. Clean as the morning. I know things are bad, but now they're okay. Suddenly, Seymour. Standing beside me. No makeup. Don't have to pretend. Suddenly, Seymour is here to provide you sweet understanding. 
your friend. That'll do, probably, right? You say so. Fun fact. Did you know that this the, the song Badass Mother from Mucker Fucking Space or whatever it's called? Yeah. Big Green Mother. There we go. Was only one of two songs ever nominated for Best Original Song for the Academy Award uh, that was sung by a villain. Can you name the other one? Mm. I mean, my heart wants to say Ursula's song. No. But no, yeah, I was going to say. No. Also nominated by a villain. It was uh, another animated movie. I will give you that. Was it the fucking Pocahontas song? No. Oh. With their hockey hullabaloo and that bitch Ann Murray too. Yep. We're going to have to close this episode out. Where can people patron us? Well, I would love to tell them, but first I need to know what the fuck we're doing next week. Doing this specific episode reminded me of how much I like to smile. It's been a long time since I, I I picked a movie that I think was fun. This might not be fun in the same way that Little Shop of Horrors is fun, but it's fun for me because it puts a smile on my face when I watch it. I'm looking forward to the next Lars von Trier movie. <laughs> I'm choosing Sam Raimi's Dark Man. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay. Have, you ever, have you ever seen that one before? Long time ago. Okay. Very long. It may not be a great movie, but it is a buttload of fun. Okay. In fact, I would go as far to say that it is the best live-action comic book ever. Not <gasps> not comic book adaptation, live-action comic book. When you watch Darkman, look at each frame as if it was meant to be a comic book. Okay. Patron us at xrated at patron.com slash xrated. Ryan, I'll tell you what it is. It's patreon.com slash x-rated movies. Go to our Twitter. At x-rated movies. Go to our Facebook at rated x movies. Rated x movies. Go to our website at xratedmovies.com. And email us at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. We're going to go yell out the window now. I could have said that as an old lady. Next week, Dark Man. Dark Man. Keep it to the rainbow.